The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. Here is Adam Burke. Hello, everybody, and welcome into VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. Your host, Adam Burke, here with our first edition of the podcast. We'll be doing this Monday through Friday as the season goes along, but we are going to start with kind of some broader picture things, taking a look at Major League Baseball as a whole, at the rule changes. Then next week in the lead-up to opening day, one preview episode on the American League, one on the National League, and then finally, um, some general baseball betting thoughts as we look forward to opening day coming up here March 30th, opening day. Looking forward to that. Obviously, a lot of question marks around Major League Baseball with the new rules. Also, if you've been following baseball over the last few years, you know that the ball is different every single year. So we'll see how the baseball plays, if it'll be a little bit juiced like it was back in 2019, if it'll be dead like it was to start last season. We'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to get some data before we can really dig into that because spring training data Maybe not the most reliable, especially this year, because we had the World Baseball Classic, which brings me to what I want to chat about here to open up Visa and Daily Baseball Bets. That's taking a look year over year at how spring training has gone, because we have the shift ban, as I'll talk about here in a few minutes. We also have the pitch clock. I'll talk about the impacts of those teams that will benefit teams that could have a little bit of a harder time with those rule changes. But when you look at spring training year over year from 2022 to 2023, Batting average down a little bit, on-base percentage up a little bit, slugging percentage down a little bit, 23 points actually. But when you think about spring training stats for this year, a lot of the best hitters in baseball were in the World Baseball Classic. You know, I mean, Team USA had a loaded lineup. The Dominican Republic had a loaded lineup. Venezuela had a lot of great players. Puerto Rico, same thing. So a lot of the best hitters in Major League Baseball not around for spring training. So I don't think we want to read too much into that. But there are a couple of interesting things that we can discuss from spring training. The first is that singles are up on a per game basis. And this isn't a big surprise because of the shift ban, which, again, I'll talk about in depth in a a few more minutes here. 
But left-handed batters obviously going to benefit from the absence of the shift. They don't have to go up there worrying about three guys on the right side of the infield. But the biggest one is stolen bases, both attempts and successful attempts up significantly, about 60% more steals per game this spring training compared to last year's. Now, you want to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt because there are a lot of guys trying to make the roster or minor leaguers that are among the spring training leaders in stolen bases, but you've got better runners you know, at the major league level in most cases, certainly guys that can read pitchers a lot better. So stolen bases up significantly here in spring training, which I think is interesting because when you look at a lot of the teams that are the favorites to win the World Series, the Astros at 6-1, to one, these numbers coming from DraftKings, by the way, the Yankees plus 750, the Braves plus 750, the Dodgers plus 850, Padres and Mets plus 950, the Blue Jays at 13 to 1. Those are a lot of teams that generally hit for a lot of power, but also teams that don't really strike out a whole lot. The Braves are kind of the exception in that group, but they offset that by hitting a lot of home runs. So these are teams that you know do hit for a large measure of power, obviously good pitching staffs as well, but power this season will be a little bit different than power from previous seasons if we get more of these base runners or maybe left-handed batters aren't going to swing for the fences as much trying to hit the ball over the infielders that are pulled around to the right side. So I think that's something that's going to be really, really interesting as we look through the start of this season. But just a couple of updates here on some of these teams with, with some short odds or at least some teams that you know look like they've got a good chance at making the playoffs here. You know, just before I started recording this on Thursday, uh, the Reese Hoskins injury for the Phillies, who are, of course, already without Bryce Harper, who had Tommy John surgery. He's hoping to come back sometime in the summer. Now it appears that they've lost Hoskins for a long period of time. Haven't really seen much of a movement in their odds here yet, but something that you want to keep in mind as the season goes along or as you're looking at these futures bets coming into the year, think about the fact that not only does the Hoskins injury hurt the Phillies, but it probably helps both the Braves and the Mets, you know, who were obviously the two clear front runners in that National League East division. But now they're in a position where it would be very hard to see the Phillies kind of challenge them, especially if they wind up with any other injuries in the lineup or with the starting rotation. So it's one of the reasons why I don't like to lock in any of these World Series or pennant bets or division bets, anything like that too far in advance of the year because you get these things that happen and they wind up completely changing the dynamics for some of these teams. You think about a team like the Mets, you know, they lose Edwin Diaz during the World Baseball Classic, their star closer. And in the grand scheme of things, Edwin Diaz probably appears in, we'll say, 65 or 70 of the team's 162 games. But most of those games are going to have a lead. Most of those games are going to be expected to win. And now you run into a scenario where everybody in that bullpen has to move up a spot in terms of the hierarchy, in terms of their bullpen roles. And they already had some over 35 guys, like an Adam Adovino in that bullpen. So increased injury risk with older guys on top of this Diaz injury. These are all things that kind of factor into the futures equation for you and things that you really want to think about. So there's a lot to think about when you go into a Major League Baseball season between the rule changes, how the baseball will play, injuries suffered in spring training, the composition of the divisions and all of that. And obviously the NL East being a division here so far that has had a lot of news 
you know, the St. Louis Cardinals, Adam Wainwright goes on the injured list with a groin strain. Generally speaking, a guy like Adam Wainwright, an innings eater, an above average pitcher. You know, you think him missing a month, maybe not that big of a deal. But when you look at the rest of the Cardinals rotation, where they're hoping Jack Flaherty's healthy, where they're hoping Steven Matz is healthy, all of a sudden you start getting more concerns about the Cardinals, despite the fact that they're clearly the favorite to win this central division because the rest of the teams in this division either aren't very good or have a lot of new faces and new pieces that they're trying to acclimate to the roster. So, again, these are all things that you want to think about as you're surveying the futures market, because keep in mind, these are bets that won't be decided until about you know six, seven months from now, and you're tying up your money for a long period of time. I know people like to bet futures. People like to talk about futures in the content sphere because those are things that have a long shelf life, but maybe it's not the best use of your resources as a baseball better. That's something I'll talk about more next week when I talk about some general baseball betting tips, but personally, I prefer to have my bankroll a little bit more liquid so that I can bet the day-to-day stuff as opposed to having things tied up. With that being said, I will look for things throughout the course of the season. Look for, you know, maybe buy signs for World Series or division during the season. Uh, you know, maybe we run into a scenario where the Braves are, you know, plus 130, plus 140 in the National League East. That's a bet I would probably look to make if we get to that point. But right now, I don't need to tie anything up in the Braves at plus 110. You know, you've got a little bit of price sensitivity there, I think, that needs to come into the equation. So just my approach on futures, your view may vary, but I just want to sort of lay the groundwork here with this first edition of Visa and Daily Baseball Bets to kind of give you an idea, not only how I look at the game itself, but also how I look at managing a bankroll throughout the grind that is 2,430 games. And of course, you've got, you know, all these different things going on where you've got off days and you've got all these long home stands, long road trips, stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff throughout the course of a major league baseball season that you, know, you kind of want some liquidity in your bankroll. So that's the way that I look at it. I will focus a lot more on that day-to-day stuff as we go along, but there are some rule changes this year and some things that I think could help some teams over other teams. And that's what I really want to talk about here on this episode of the podcast So let's start with the pitch clock, because I think this is the one that's kind of been, you know, the most interesting in a lot of ways. The shift ban is something that people have been asking for for a long period of time. The pitch clock is something that the minor leaguers are very well versed with. We've seen a steady decrease in violations throughout spring training here where the the players are adapting. Players always adapt. You know, pitchers adapted to the ban on foreign substances using spider tack and those sticky things. Pitchers have adapted. They've found other not as easy to detect substances. So they've been able to get their spin rates back up and have more control and and this and that. Players adapt. It's what they do. You know, it's what you have to do as a professional athlete. And the players have been adapting as the spring training has gone along here. But for the pitch clock, I'm sure you've all read up on this. If you're a baseball fan, it's definitely been, you know, a burning topic to say the least. But just real quickly here. So pitchers are required to start their pitching motions. Within 15 seconds with nobody on base and 20 seconds with men on base. And the hitter must be ready and looking at the pitcher with eight seconds left on the clock. Now, this will be interesting as we go throughout the course of the season because spring training games, by and large, don't matter. You don't worry about your win-loss record. A lot of stats don't carry over to the regular season. 
Some things do. Some are pretty good indicators. But as we get more important games, as we get those high leverage situations late in games, we're going to have a few decided by some of these violations. You know, as as the moment gets big, you know, as a pitcher is is maybe rattled a little bit or, you know, a, a hitter fouls a ball off and gets upset with himself and doesn't get back in the box in time. These are going to decide some games. That's going to be frustrating and they're going to wind up, you know, being on Scott Van Pelt's Bad Beats segment on, on SportsCenter. But, look, I think there are a few things that we need to keep in mind about this. The first is that when you look at the difference between a ball and a strike, which if the hitter isn't ready, it's an automatic strike. If the pitcher isn't ready, it's an automatic ball. When you look at the differences here, let's just look at first pitch specifically, right? The difference between a 1-0 count ball one and an 0-1 count strike one is massive. After a first pitch ball last year, Major League Baseball hitters, 255 average, 371 on base percentage, 428 slugging percentage. After a first pitch strike, 213 batting average, 258 on base, 334 slugging. So we're talking about a 42-point difference in batting average, 113-point difference in on-base percentage, and about, what is that, about 90 or so points in slugging percentage. Just the difference between a first-pitch strike and a first-pitch ball as that plate appearance goes along. So these differences are massive, particularly if you talk about, you know, the difference between a 1-2 count and a 2-2 count or a 2-1 count and a 1-2 count. All of these things really help out either the pitcher or the hitter. So we'll see how much of an impact that ends up having as we go throughout the season. The second here is that pitchers are allowed two, quote, disengagements and batters are allowed one timeout while they're in the box there. So disengagements means stepping off the rubber, throwing over to first, you know, having a problem communicating with the catcher, everyone having to call time, stuff like that. So what this means is it is much more difficult as a pitcher to hold down the running game. And that's a big reason why we've seen this huge uptick. Again, about 60% more stolen bases in spring training this year as opposed to last year. So that could be really big for some teams and maybe not as big for others. So catcher defense obviously will be magnified for this season because Guys are going to have much quicker pop times. They're going to be a lot more accurate with their throws. Also, catchers, we've seen an uptick in them throwing behind runners as spring training has gone along here. When you look at the teams with the most stolen bases last season, Texas Rangers were number one, Miami Marlins two, Cleveland Guardians three, Chicago Cubs four, Philadelphia Phillies five, Diamondbacks six, Royals seven, Yankees eight. All of those teams with at least 102 steals last year. Teams that didn't run much, 58 or fewer steals for this group, the Twins, the Rockies, the Tigers, the Padres, Red Sox, Reds, and White Sox. So there will be some teams here, like the Rangers, like the Marlins, like the Guardians, who get a boost from this pitch clock because of the impacts it has on the running game. So when you start thinking about, and I always like to do this, and I wrote up team previews for all 30 teams over at vcin.com, I like to start formulating a profile of a team. What will they be like? Will they strike out a lot? Will they walk a lot? Will they hit a lot of fly balls? Will they hit a lot of ground balls? I like to formulate these profiles of teams, and then as we get in season, 
and they have certain pitching matchups, I may look to go on them or against them, depending on the type of pitcher that they're facing. If they're facing a pitcher that's slow to home plate and a catcher who's not very good at throwing out runners, you may see five, six, seven, eight stolen bases in some of these games for some of these teams. And why is that important? Because with each base you move up, a team's run expectancy increases. A team's win expectancy increases. So teams that are going to take advantage of being able to run a little bit more. And when you think about some of those offenses I listed, you know, the Guardians, right? I mean, they had a great season last year. They didn't really score a lot of runs. They don't hit for any power, but they go first to third better than anybody else in baseball, and they steal bases. But when you think about some of those other offenses, the Rangers didn't have a very good offense. The Marlins didn't have a good offense. The Cubs didn't have a good offense. The Diamondbacks and the Royals didn't have good offenses. But with these rule changes, with their aggressiveness on the base pads, those are teams that I think we have to reevaluate what their offensive upside is for this season. Obviously, the Cubs have a completely different lineup, so they're kind of an easy one. But there are some teams here that can really benefit from this and give themselves a lot more scoring opportunities with men in scoring position. The other thing about the pitch clock that is largely just me speculating, but there's less recovery time between pitches now. And we've seen velocity go up on an annual basis. Guys are just throwing harder than ever before. Hitting is harder than ever before. But you get a lot of these guys, and this is especially true of relievers, where a lot of relievers are guys that took a long time between pitches. You think about a Devin Williams from Milwaukee, for example. Uh, obviously, you know, everyone laughs about Pedro Baez and, and some of the other guys out there that take forever. I think we could run into a situation this season where pitch velocity might be down a little bit specifically in terms of relievers where you may not be reaching back to throw 98, 99 or a hundred on every pitch because you just don't have the same recovery time. You may not be able to go max effort all the time. So what that brings me to is the shift ban. So the shift ban two infielders must be on each side of second base. When the pitcher is on the pitching rubber, All four infielders must be on the dirt. So you can't go play short right field in the grass anymore. You're not allowed to do that. You have to be on the dirt while the pitcher is on the pitching rubber. Infielders cannot switch sides. So you can't send Manny Machado over to play second base with greater range than Jake Cronenworth or or Ha Seong Kim or whoever's playing over at second there. You cannot move your infielders around to try and game the system to get guys with more range over on the right side of the infield. If there is a decrease in velocity, I would expect an increase in pull percentage from batters. If you're pulling the ball more in a post-shift world, you're going to have more hits. So that's something that I'm going to be watching with some of the early returns in the month of April. Now, it is a little bit tricky because... Starting pitchers are still working on getting stretched out. Guys are still trying to build up their arm strength, build up velocity, and all of that. But it is something I will be watching once we get to a significant enough sample size to see if pitch velocity is down. And if it is, is there an increase in pulled contact? Because when you think about pulled contact, 
not only will it lead to more hits in the post-shift world, but think about home runs. Most of them are pulled. Think about doubles. A lot of them are pulled. You can hit the ball with a lot more exit velocity and a lot more authority when you're pulling the baseball. Now, we could see a decrease in home runs out of all of this, because if you're a left-handed batter, as I said at the top, you don't have to be thinking about pulling it over the head of everybody. You can just think about hitting the ball hard and trying to find a hole with it. Instead of going, man, if I hit this between first and second, like there's a guy standing there. So, oh, no, I need to change my approach. I need to try to go inside out and hit it to left field. Or I got to change my swing plane, change my launch angle, try to get under the baseball and hit it up in the air so I don't have to worry about these three field infielders on the right side. Hitters don't have to worry about that anymore. And I've, I've seen some social media clips and read some stuff from left-handed batters where they're like, you know what? Like, I'm just happy the shift's gone. So we could see a decrease in power. I think that's a possibility here. Obviously, we'll see how the baseball plays. I think it's the, the biggest thing of all. But we will have, I think, more hits overall. And if we get more hits, coupled with a decrease in pitch velocity, coupled with an increase in pull percentage, coupled with an increase in average exit velocity as a batter, because when you pull the ball, you hit it harder, maybe that's how we get a little bit more offense out of all of this. And when you look at what's happened in spring training here, as I said, you know, we've seen a pretty significant increase in terms of batting average on balls in play for left-handed batters. Now, batting average on balls in play, BABIP, is a sabermetric stat, one that I will use a lot throughout my write-ups over at vcin.com this season. We'll talk about a lot on the show here as well. BABIP is batting average without strikeouts and home runs in the equation. It's only balls in play. And... Typically, throughout the course of a season, the batting average on balls in play, somewhere around 290. Now, it has gone down because so many teams are shifting, which is why batting average was the lowest it's been since the 60s last year and why Rob Manfred decided to act and get rid of the shift. I do think that as we go along here, more singles, more base runners, maybe a little less power. So will that all cancel out? And furthermore, how will the sports books handle that? How will they set up their betting totals on these games? Will they just shade the over five or 10 cents of juice? Will they go up a half run? That remains to be seen, but I think there will be some things that we want to take a look at here. These are maybe kind of falling into my baseball betting tips that I'll talk about next Wednesday, but I'll go ahead and talk about them now because I think that they're relevant to these rule changes, what I've been talking about. The first is, again, there will be more stolen bases more stolen base attempts. So you're going to lose some runners, but you're also going to get guys that go from first to second, maybe with no outs, one out, something like that. That creates a higher probability of runs being scored. Second, as I said, singles and the overall number of base runners should increase. And third, and maybe this is the most important takeaway here with these rule changes and kind of looking at betting on a micro level game by game, Fly ball pitchers won't be nearly as affected as ground ball pitchers. So early on in the season, based on the rule changes, not only will I be looking at teams that put a lot of balls in play and steal a lot of bases, the Guardians, the Astros, the Mets, the Cardinals, the Blue Jays, teams like that, those should be play on teams. Not a big surprise, a lot of good teams in that mix. But I think the Cubs, the Diamondbacks, some of those teams could be better early on in the season. Then people realize 
teams that I don't think will be very good early on the angels, the pirates, tigers, um, you know, the, the twins, possibly the red Sox. Some of those teams could end up struggling, but I think fly ball pitchers will do better than ground ball guys. So I'll be looking to maybe actively fade ground ball pitchers because now you've got to try and generate some more swing and miss. You don't get lazy fly balls that, you know, the outfielders could just, they have time to run under, you know, you have a lot less reaction time as an infielder in terms of trying to get in front of the ball, especially if you've got more ground to cover like you will this year. So I think that's one primary takeaway from these rule changes here is that I generally liked to bet on high strikeout, high ground ball guys because everyone was trying to elevate the baseball and hit for power. That may not be the mindset anymore. So that could be something particularly in April where the ball doesn't carry, where I think betting on these fly ball guys could provide a big advantage for us. So hopefully those are some good thoughts to grease the wheels here on VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. Again, looking at kind of the broader picture of things here with the first few episodes. As I said, early next week, we'll preview the American League, preview the National League. I'll try to run through all three divisions in each in as neat and tidy of a package as I possibly can. With that daily article over at VEASAN.com and the team previews over there as well, I also have a glossary linked in those team previews where you can look at the stats that I use. I will say right off the top, and I'm always open and honest about this, I use a lot of sabermetrics. I use a lot of analytics. One of my strengths as an analyst has always been to explain the analytics in a way that people that aren't familiar with them can understand. What I think about analytics is that they quantify, they, they provide a value for what the eyes can see. You may watch a game and look at a center fielder and go, man, that guy's terrible out there. He probably is. How bad is he relative to his peers? How much is he costing his own team? That's what the analytics can tell us. So that's what I try to do here with a lot of my baseball content. Bridge the gap between people that know sabermetrics and those that don't, and then apply it in a betting context that hopefully allows us to make some money throughout the course of the season here. So we'll be back again on Monday with an American League preview. I'm your host, Adam Burke of VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.